You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Hey, today, though, I'm going to get to a topic here in just a little bit, but I want to give you an update. Today, um, as I've said before, as most of you already know, so the the building that we're currently leasing, we were informed just a couple weeks ago that, or a little over two weeks ago, that it has been sold, and uh, the process has moved quicker than uh, we expected it to, but they have said that the closing date is on December 10th. And so they've asked us to be out of the building by December 10th. And so what that means for us is that our final Sunday in this space will be December 4th, which is two Sundays from today, which is crazy to think about. Uh, Again, uh, not our plan to be um, moving church or looking for a new building during the holiday season or anything like that, but uh, we felt surprised by it. But let me remind you, God was not surprised by it. And so we are uh, doing our part. And in doing so, one of the things that we've done is a few weeks ago, we started the, uh, a new giving campaign. Uh, we had different plans on how to launch this giving campaign. It was going to be much more strategic uh, and uh, planned out. But in light of that information, we said, well, we kind of need to get this off the ground so that we can be prepared financially when God opens the next door. And so uh, we started this giving campaign. It's called God's House, uh, Our Home. And uh, basically what we did is we laid out a six-month goal. Or this was the original campaign or the six-month goal. And so uh, you can put up that next chart. So six months, we said, man, we want to raise $135,000 in six months. It seems like a big stretch, and it is because we're expecting um, God to move on our behalf. And it feels like, man, for a church our size, that's a lot of money, and it is a lot of money. But here's what we said. Let's break it down to make it a little more more uh, understandable. And so uh, at the bottom here, I talked about this, where if 60 people over six months time would commit to give $250, that's basically roughly $10 a week. If you look all the way at the right corner over there, um, if 60 people would say, I can give $10 a week, that would be 250 bucks. That's going to help us get to our goal of $135,000. And so I want to kind of encourage us though, sometimes we look at these charts and we think to ourselves, well, wow, man, I don't fall into one of those. I feel like I'm in between a few of those levels. Or uh, honestly, uh, there's been times where it's like you may say uh, $10 a week. I can't do that. And here's the thing. We, under- we understand that. Well, uh, a few weeks ago, I just said, hey, go and pray and ask God. Again, uh, I- I'm going to, as your pastor, I'm going to encourage you to do things and try to lead you as best I can. But at the end of the day, you got to ask God, God, what am I supposed to do? What is, my, what is my part to play in this? And so that's what I've asked us to do. And so you may say, man, I can't commit to $10 a week, but maybe you could give $10 a month. Maybe you can give $60 uh, over six months, $10 a month. Maybe that's you. Maybe it's just somewhere in between. Maybe you'd say, well, I can't, but I know someone who might be willing to give $20,000 to, uh, to this campaign. And so here's what I want to do. If you, if you haven't taken one of these home yet, uh, our resource table, I think it's in the lobby, we have a stack of these. And so if you want to take it home and, and pray about it, if you haven't gotten one of these yet, on the back it shows you how, how to give and different things like that. But here's what I want to do is I want to give you an update on how much we've seen come in so far. In fact, so far uh, we have seen, go ahead and put up the slide, $22,678.60, y'all. <laughs> Uh, And that's in uh, two weeks' time. And so, uh, man, God has been so faithful. Here's what's been awesome. Two weeks ago, I I asked you to 
help spread the word about this and about kind of the situation that we're in. Again, it's a little bit of a unique situation where um, it's a little outside of our hands, not outside of God's hands, but it feels like it's outside of our hands and we got to be out by a certain date. And I just said, hey, spread the word. And you never know what coworker, what person you may share this with and they would be willing to give. And man, we've had people, one person in particular that doesn't go to our church, uh, but they gave $2,000 to our house fund, um, which is amazing. And they don't attend here. They just, they watch from a distance and they believe in what we're doing and uh, they want to play a part. And so I have people, um, friends of mine from high school who, who have a, a, a reoccurring gift set up. It's like 30 bucks a month, I think it is. And it's going to our house fund. And it's just cool to see people um, that don't even attend on a regular basis, but they say, hey, we believe in what God's doing and abide and we want to be a part. And so um, super encouraged by this. So here's what, here's what that means. Do we have our next building locked down? No, <laughs> not just yet. Uh, we're working with a realtor and we, man, we've looked at a ton of spaces in person and online and even just driven past. And uh, uh, I feel like I've driven every road in uh, the Broken Arrow, Tulsa and surrounding areas, to be honest with you. Uh, I've, I've just uh, continued to be driving, praying, uh, setting up meetings with uh, other people and talking with other churches, other pastors, and um, hoping to have an update for you on that side of things. Uh, in the next couple of weeks. And if not, we have some other plans of what we're going to do in, in, to kind of finish out the year. Uh, I'll get into that into, uh, in the next couple of weeks. But the encouraging thing is this, because we've seen such a great response is that we have some confidence going even to look at places because we have some money set aside that's outside of our tithe and offering and things like that that's normally coming in. We have some money uh, in our back pocket, if you want to say it that way, where we can go into a space and say, man, this would be nice but it's going to take a little bit of work to make it even usable for a church. And here's the biggest thing. Our biggest investment and our biggest thing that we're looking for is our kids' space. Um, If we don't invest in the next generation, we are a generation away from uh, people and and, and, and we're a generation, generation away of a whole generation not knowing God is the best way I can put it is there's going to be a generation that didn't go to church because no one invested them, no one introduced them to Jesus, no one showed them the love of Jesus, no one partnered with families and said, hey, let's join hands together. And you, you, at home, here's, you're going to show them Jesus, you're going to bring them here, we're going to show them Jesus and back up what you're saying. If that doesn't happen, we are missing it and we're not operating biblically how we should be as a church. Because Jesus, one of his greatest ministries is what, <laughs> that he did is he spent time with the least of these he spent time with the little ones. He spent time with the ones that everyone overlooked. You're not good enough. You know, you're too young, whatever. He said, no, come to me. Come to me. And if we don't create space for our kids' ministry, we're missing it. Okay? I've said this before. I'll, I'll probably say this a lot of times. But honestly, if Jesus was here in person, uh, he would probably be across the hall loving on our kids, <laughs> rocking babies, playing basketball. Like he would, he would be over there loving on, loving on our kids if he was here in person. But so as we're looking at spaces, that's one of the biggest things we're looking at. We found a few spaces that, yeah, this could work. But man, we don't have enough room to accommodate where we're growing the most, which is in young families. Young families and uh, and, and expecting families and things like that. And so uh, that's what we're looking for. Um, uh, and here's the thing. If you're out driving around and you see a place, man, shoot our, our main office in, uh, an email, office at abidechurch.com. Man, shoot us an address. You never know what might come of it. So if you see a spot, uh, help us spread the word. And so the last thing is this. If you haven't uh, given yet or if you need the info, there's different ways that you can give. We'll put that up there. Sorry, I should have put that up there earlier. But it's also on these little cards right here. So again, my prayer is this. 
not that you would feel pressure from Pastor Dan to, to give, but my, my hope is that you would go home and prayerfully consider, Lord, what would you have us do to be a part of this? Because honestly, here's, here's where we're at as a church. This investment into this giving campaign is our next step for the future of our church. It's an investment into, Lord, you've called me here. I want to be a part for the next step as well. I don't want to be here just for a season, but Lord, if God's called you here for a while, hey, Lord, while I'm here, I'm going to be all in. And that's what I'm going to ask you to do. And so, man, it's been so encouraging, though, to see the, um, the, how much people have given already. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for your generosity. I will keep you updated as much as I can, y'all. So uh, the last few weeks have been a little bit of a whirlwind, but here's what's been great, is in all of the unknown, um, and it's just like the song we just sang, in all of the unknown, whenever you face battles, those are the times where I experience God's presence the most. Because oftentimes uh, our spiritual enemy will let your life get so good and so comfortable that you don't got to talk to God about anything. And you'll go years without even praying, reading your Bible, or talking to God. Why? Because life's good. But then crisis happens and you realize, I don't have a relationship with God at all because I haven't talked to him for six months or a year. Oftentimes when we face the difficult things, that's where I experience God's presence the most. And so today, here's what we're going to talk about. Uh, The topic for today is this, the faith to continue. Now, this is kind of a great message for us as a church, but I believe it's also going to be a great message for you individually. I know it was for me as I was preparing it. How do we have the faith to continue whenever we experience hardship, when we experience things that don't go our way, when we experience battles? How do I have the strength or the faith to even continue? And point number one is this, every step of faith is followed by more steps of faith. Every step of faith is followed by more steps of faith. I think sometimes in the church world we can get off on this, um, this idea that once you take a step of faith, that everything just falls into place. Like you just got to take one step. And if you'll just take your one step, then you'll be good for the rest of your life. But here's what I've realized as I've gone and as I've walked with, with, with Jesus is that when I take one step, that took a lot of faith for me to do that. But then it's never, I have never arrived. You know what I'm saying? Like once I get here, God then begins to prompt me on what the next step will be. And so maybe for you it's a job or pursuing a a career or maybe starting a family, whatever it might be. It's like, Lord, we've taken our step. And then he says, awesome. I'm going to teach you to walk with me though. Not just stand with me, stand during the hard times. I want you to walk with me. And he says, here's your next step. Not your next leap though. That's the difference. Many times we, we think God's sending me on this huge leap of faith. No, it's a step of faith. But every step of faith is followed by more. And so oftentimes I, I think we just say, well, you've taken your step and that's it. The first step is important. But God wants you to walk with him. It's the same way as when Peter walked on water. What happened? The first step was to get out of the boat. Now that alone is amazing. He's standing on water. But Jesus invites him to walk. And in doing so, he begins to walk. Now, eventually, he gets his eyes off Jesus, gets distracted, and he begins to sink, which is a great illustration for when you walk by faith. However, he didn't just get out and stand on the water with me. It was always an invitation to walk with me. Let's do life together. Let me help you through these situations. Every step of faith is followed by more steps of faith. So here's what we're going to look at. In um, 
We're talking about, we were talking about the Ten Commandments. I'm going to talk about now the kind of the transition into the promised land where they've, they've received the Ten Commandments. They've spent a lot of years out in the wilderness. Now it's their time to go in and experience God's best for them. And the children of Israel, they, they took a step of faith and they crossed the Jordan River, which God again parted it so they could cross on dry ground. And the Jordan at that time was in, flood, it was in a, a flood zone and it was flooded. And so for them to cross the Jordan at this particular time of the year was very significant. It was a miracle. And so I might talk about that uh, next week. We'll see what happens. But uh, they crossed the Jordan River, so they've just seen God move. And it was a step of faith. Uh, God didn't part the river until their feet touched the water. So they had to get in the flood water before God parted it, which is a very interesting um, uh, thing. But we won't get into that today. Uh, And so here's what happens. They take a step of faith, put their feet in the water. God parts the water. And then... They're going into the promised land. And many times in the American church, we think, well, when we get to the promised land, it's all sunshine and rainbows and there ain't nothing else to do, right? You just go and retire and you uh, get back and you're, you're lazy boy and get a sweet tea and you're fine. That's not it. What happens? The next, they have a step of faith and it's followed by another step of faith, meaning they come and they experience the first city, which is Jericho. So they didn't come in and take over the land without a fight. And many times that's what happens for us when we experience God's goodness. It doesn't always come without a fight, a spiritual fight for them. It was a physical. Let's look at the story. Joshua 6, verse 1 says this. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go in or out. Or out or in, sorry. But then the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. Verse 5. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horn, have all of the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. Here we are in another situation where we see this time and time again in God's word. God, why can't you just... Uh, knock down the walls and let us go in? Why do we have to walk around it, right? God, why can't you just, if they're really truly that evil of people, why can't you kill them with a plague or something and allow us just to come in and get their stuff? Like, why, why? And once again, what does it go back to? Partnership. God wants to walk with you. He doesn't want to do all the work. He doesn't want to, why? Because when I walk with someone through good times and in bad, what happens to my relationship? It gets tighter. The longer you're married to someone and the more things that you go through, if you keep your faith in Jesus and both of you are pursuing him, what happens to your marriage? It gets stronger. Now, if you go through things and and you're not keeping your eyes on Jesus, it might begin to break your marriage. But God's will is that you two would walk together in marriage and you would face hard times. And rather than turning away from each other, you would turn to each other. And though the good times and the bad times, what would happen to my marriage is that it would begin to get solidified and we become more and more one as we face more things. And that's how it works with God. When I walk with him and I see good times and I praise him for it and I see tough times and I thank him for his provision in the tough times and what he's going to do through the tough times, my relationship gets stronger and stronger and stronger. God can knock down the walls by himself, but he's always looking for a partner. If we want to see the move of God on this earth, in our city, in your family, he's going to use you. He's not just going to do it by himself. He's looking for earthly partners to move through. Every step of faith is followed by more steps of faith. Here's the second thing I want to show you in this. The battle is already won. If I'm going to have the faith to continue, I have to have perspective that the battle in the spiritual is already won. 
The battle is already won. This seems a little weird, but let's, this is why it's important to read God's word slowly, even if it's a, a, a story you've read a million times before. Joshua 6, 2, it says this. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and, its, and all its strong warriors. I will give you? No. <laughs> I have given you Jericho. Interesting. This is what uh, very uh, oftentimes this is what we see when it comes to the promises of God. Uh, healing is a great example. It says, uh, by his stripes, the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. Not you will be, you were. See, in, in God's eyes, the provision or the victory is done. It's already won. So that's why when I read these stories slowly, I, can, I begin to get God's vision and his perspective on my situation. And he says, I have given you not I will. It hasn't happened yet. But in God's eyes, it has happened yet. When God makes a promise, it's already done. It's already complete in the spiritual realm. But one perspective that we should have, if that's the case, which it is, that means that he is already ahead of us in time working it out. That's the perspective I have to have. Many times I limit God to today. Lord, why aren't you showing up today? And he's like, well, if you would trust my timing and have patience for today, he said, I'm in tomorrow answering the prayer, getting it done for you. You only see today, but he's already in tomorrow making it happen. He's already in tomorrow uh, doing things, shifting things for our, our benefit. But in order for us to experience the victory that he's already provided for, once again, we have to walk in natural obedience. If I'm going to see the supernatural miracle of tomorrow, I have to walk in natural obedience today. He did not say, I have given you Jericho. Now you don't have to do anything. Right? This is verse 2. He says, I have given you Jericho and his king and the strong men. Now here's what you're going to do in order to get it. You see how, again, he's looking for a partner. Not, he didn't say, I've given it to you, just you know, sit back and watch me work. No, he says, no, look, I have given it to you. If you, if you believe me, I've given it. Now walk in faith to what I'm going to ask you to do next. It may sound weird, but walk in faith. You have the faith to walk it out. He tells Joshua the victory is his, then he gives him the command to do. So here's what's encouraging. A few verses here. Deuteronomy 31, verse 8 says this, Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. How good is our God? This is a great example. What's, what is he? Lord, I'm seeing today. Why aren't you answering today? And he's like, hang on. If you would have my timing, if you would trust my timing, I'm ahead of you. I will personally go ahead of you and see that it is done. Continue to walk in obedience, though. That's what he's showing us. Psalm 139, verse 5 says this. It says, speaking of the Lord, you go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Here's what's so good about this verse. This should be a great uh, daily confession for us. Because maybe, maybe you have a job right now that you honestly don't like. Maybe you have a boss right now that you honestly are just button heads with. Maybe you're in a situation right now that every day feels like a battle and you just have no motivation to go to work or to be in that uh, work on your marriage or that relationship, whatever it might be. Here's a great verse to quote over yourself. Lord, I thank you that you go before me today. As soon as I get up, Lord... You're already in my lunchtime. You're already in that meeting. You're already on that job site. You are already ahead of me. You're already, and guess what? Your hand of blessing is on my head. I thank you by the time I get to that job site, by the time I get to that lunch meeting, by the time I 
speak to that person that I'm having a rough, my relationship's in a tough, tough place. I thank you that you're already ahead of me and your hand of blessing is on me. So by the time I get there, it will have your blessing upon it. Every part of it will. And here's the other side of it. Lord, I thank you that as I leave that meeting, as I leave that job site, as I leave my house with my, my spouse and mammy, and we're just button heads right now. As I leave, I thank you, Lord, that you will follow me. And as I leave, your presence will dwell there as well. And I will leave your mark on that place, your mark on that job site, your mark on my home, your mark on that relationship. I am acknowledging the fact that God is not just walking with me, which is true, but he was personally ahead of me, but he will also follow me. And guess what? His blessing is all around. Ahead, with, and following. Ain't our God good? Man, how can you not serve this God? He's got you covered, right? He's he's literally surrounding you saying, if you walk in obedience and if you will trust me, I, I literally, it's that hedge of protection. I will be with you everywhere that you go and my blessing will be on your head. The other thing is this, if you have to, if we're going to have to have the faith to continue, point number three is this, I got to guard your, guard my tongue. I got to watch my words is another way of saying it, right? Watch my words. And this is, well, these last two are both big ones, but this is a pretty big one. (laughs) This one's significant. And here's what's cool is as we read these stories in, in the Old Testament, these stories are not just something that happened to someone. The, again, we look at the principle. What's the principle behind this story? Lord, show me how this can apply to my life. And here's the verse where we pull this from is uh, Joshua 6, verse 10. We haven't read this yet, but verse 10 says this. Do not shout, do not even talk, Joshua commanded. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout, then shout. So Joshua is telling his people what's about, what, here's what God said to do. And I'm sure they're looking at him like, What? I don't think so. We're going to go to this fortified city where they're prepared for a battle and we're going to walk around it and expect them not to attack us, harm us, set a trap for us because they know what we're doing every single day. Like, this sounds crazy. And Joshua is saying, do not shout. Do not even talk. Do not even talk. Why? Joshua knew the importance of silencing unbelief. Put yourself in their shoes. Right? You're not walking around this building. You're walking around a city. Miles we're walking every day in silence. Why? Because about a mile in, I'm going to want to start running my mouth a little bit. Can I be honest with you? Like, this stinks, bro. Like, what are we doing here? Right? I'm going to want to start complaining. My feet hurt. I'm carrying some stuff. Like, we are, I am not prepared for a battle. We're just supposed to walk in silence. I'm going to want to start running my mouth. But Joshua knew you have to guard your tongue. And you, you may be, let me say it this way. When I allow unbelief to come out of my mouth, even when I'm physically obeying God, I am walking in disobedience. Let me say that again. When I allow unbelief to come out of my mouth, I may physically be doing what God's called me to do. I'm at the job that God's provided me for. But if I'm allowing doubt and death to come out of my mouth, I am walking in disobedience. Why? Because many times, let me show you, Proverbs 18.21, this is the most popular when it comes to our words. Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. God can will, hear me in this, God can will life for your situation. And you will walk into it and speak death and wonder why you didn't see the will of God. 
Because God's word says what I'm allowing to come out. I'm not living in denial. Again, we've talked about that. I'm not living in denial. But I'm choosing not to speak death over a situation. Why? Because I will eat the fruit of what I am saying over my situation. So God can will life and he can will greatness. But here's what happens. If the children of Israel were walking and they were running their mouth the whole time and not doing what God said to do, the walls would have never came down. That's why Joshua said, not a word. Not a word. (laughs) Because how many of you know all it takes is one person running their mouth to change a crowd? Right? You ever played that game, the telephone game as a kid? Right? Like one person has something to say, but by the time it goes around the circle and you whisper it to the next person and it gets back to you, it's like it doesn't make sense at all. That's what happens. It's unbelief is such a wicked thing. It is poison. And if I allow it to come out of my mouth, it will run its course in my situation. And God is saying, I have life for you. But I come in and I just speak death and disbelief and unbelief and I have doubt. And as I speak it, the enemy can go to work in my life. And guess what? I will eat the fruit of those words. John 15, 7 says this. is one of the verses that our, our church is founded on. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. What does that mean? If I'm going to speak anything, I'm going to speak stuff that aligns with God's word. His word above any word. That's what it comes down to. I'm going to abide in him. I'm going to walk in obedience to him. That's what that means. Remain as one. And then his words are going to abide in me. That's the second thing. And as I do that, I can walk knowing that what I pray for, what I am seeking after, it is God's will for my life. Because his desires are becoming my desires in my life. So the secret to answered prayers is this, obedience to God and speaking his word. Obedience to God and speaking his word. Now again, you know, people can take that to an extreme, and I know I say this a lot, but Lord, I thank you. Give me a million dollars in my bank account this afternoon, right? We can't be foolish with God's word. God's plan for your life is oftentimes so much greater than what you think your immediate need is. Hear my heart in that. Too many times we get consumed with, I have this need in my life. But God's plan and his purpose for your life is oftentimes so much greater and so much farther beyond what you are getting hung up on, this immediate need. And it may be a significant need. It may be a significant unanswered prayer. But oftentimes God is just saying, would you, just, would you take those blinders off for a second and would you get your head up enough to keep walking with me in obedience, keep speaking life so that I can move? In fact, that's point number four is this, keep walking. Because so many times that we will get stuck in that blinders position and I just don't know how it's gonna work out. And God's saying, I get that, but that is a small thing in my sight. And that's what he's saying, it's a small thing. I, it's huge to you, right? But it, it's, it's perspective. God's ways, his thoughts is so much higher. For parents in the room, right? When you have little kids and, and they come to you and they're crying about something <laughs> and you want to look at them and you want to say, this isn't anything to cry about. That's not that big of a deal. You know what I'm dealing with, right? I got, I got to pay the mortgage, right? Okay, this ain't a big deal, right? Your toy broke, whatever. God doesn't respond that way. He responds, and he would get down on your level, and he says, I know. 
I know it hurts. And he would look you in the eyes and he would wipe your tears away and he says, I know. I know what you're going through is tough. But then he would whisper to you and remind you that though this feels like a huge thing right now, that he's got greater and bigger and much more significant, if I can say it that way, plans for you. And he says, I want to help you get past. I know it hurts. I'm not overlooking that. But he says, I want to help you get past this hurt so I can take you to what I have next for you. But too many times we let the, we stay in that season of hurt and disappointment and why didn't God show up? But God's inviting us to keep walking. In fact, let's look at the end of the story. Joshua 6, 11 says this. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day and then everyone returned to spend the night at the camp. Right, one time for six days straight. And let's go, go down to verse 14. On the second day, they again marched around the town once and returned to the camp. They followed this pattern for six days. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and they marched around the town as they had done before. But this time, they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you this town. Verse 20, when the people heard that sound of the ram's horn, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and they captured it. Detailed obedience leads to the fulfillment of God's promises. Detailed obedience. What has God told me to do now? Detailed obedience leads to the fulfillment of God's promises. Here's why. Sometimes you're going to have to circle the promise seven times in obedience when you think it would be easier to go a different way. Sometimes God says, I need you to keep walking. I need you to go another lap. I need you to go another month. I need you to go another year. And you would say, why it would just be easier if I would just go and apply for that job, if I would just pack up and I would move my family here, if I would just take it into my own hands. But God's saying, if you, will, if you want to see the miraculous, I need you to keep walking. And this is what God put on my heart this morning as I was just finalizing this message. Don't grow weary in the daily, seemingly monotonous tasks of obedience. For that is where the miraculous is obtained. Let me say that again. Don't grow weary in the daily, seemingly monotonous tasks of obedience. Another lap, another day, another lap, another day, another day in silence, another lap in silence, another lap guard my tongue. For the daily, seemingly monotonous tasks or where the miraculous is obtained. All the Israelites had to do was walk around and God collapsed the walls. But imagine if they didn't. It's the, I like to use this story. It's the story of Jesus raising Lazarus, his friend Lazarus, from the dead. Before Jesus does, he says, move the stone. 
And they say, he stinks. Lazarus, he's been dead. Like, he's been dead for a while, you know. He's, he's stinky, okay? We don't need to be moving the stone. He says, move the stone. And I always wonder, if nobody moves the stone, does Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead? Because you see, we're always waiting on God to move. But many times Jesus is saying, does anyone, does anyone have the faith to move a rock so I can do the miraculous? You don't have to. I'm not asking, Jesus didn't ask anyone else to raise him from the dead. The miraculous is his and it's in his power. But he says, does anyone have the faith to do the natural? And that's the story of Joshua and Jericho. Will you do the natural? Seems monotonous, seems kind of crazy. But God says, if you will, he says, if you will, you'll see the miraculous. And my prayer for you today is this, in your personal life, is do you have the faith to keep walking? If you don't, my prayer is that today you would go home and on your drive home, you would just say a prayer to God and say, Lord, help my faith. As that father prayed, <laughs> as he was asking Jesus for healing for his family, he says, I believe, man, but he says, Jesus, help my unbelief. And that is the most relatable prayer I think I've ever heard in the Bible. He's praying for a miracle and he comes to Jesus and he I believe. Help my unbelief. And I would just pray that if you don't feel like you have the faith to continue because you haven't seen God move yet, my prayer is that you would. So many Christians stop on lap six and they never experience all that God has for them. But they don't realize how close they are. Six was a lot of laps, but they didn't realize that they were one away from a miracle. What's one more? And as you go, and as you go maybe another lap or another day, you can say, Lord, I know the walls didn't come down today. The breakthrough didn't come today. But my mom reminds me of this all the time. I think she got it from another pastor. But you can say, God, I thank you that I'm one day closer. I didn't see it today. <laughs> but I walked in faithful obedience. I watched my mouth I didn't let doubt or death come out. I obeyed your word and I spoke your word and I thank you. I'm one day closer today. So if you're gonna have the faith to continue, one of the best disciplines in every believer's life is that alone, having the strength of the faith to continue when you don't know when the walls are gonna come down for sure. But every step of faith is followed by more steps of faith. Remember, you haven't arrived. If you've taken a step, that's great. God may have you in that step for a little bit, maybe for a year, maybe, maybe for a few years. But you better keep your head up and ask, Lord, where's my next step? The battle is already won. Remember God's promise to you. God's promise is to go before you and work it out. Lord, I don't know how. He does. He's doing it. I have given you the promise. Guard your tongue. Don't let doubt creep out. Remember, physical obedience with a doubting tongue is disobedience. Don't let doubt come out. Keep walking. Keep trusting. Keep stepping in faith. God has not forgotten you. He hasn't. And as you walk with him and you partner with him, you will experience and you will taste the goodness of our God.
So church, I pray that in your life, today's message would challenge you. Keep going. Keep pursuing after God's promises. But also just prophetically, I would declare that and decree that over our church. The Lord, we have some unknowns ahead of us. We have two Sundays left in this space. Lord, we're walking by faith, but in all of it, we're going to do exactly what we talked about today. We're going to choose to have the faith to continue even when we don't know when those walls are going to come down. We're going to go another lap. And if it means we got to go another lap, we're going to go another lap. Jesus said, anyone who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Many times when we go to work for God and we get behind that plow and we start going, it'll be tempting to be like, dang, this is tough. (laughs) This is tough soil. But God's got you in the tough soil because he's going to give you the strength to till it up so he can produce fruit in it. But he can't produce fruit in this world, in your family, in your job, or in your life until the soil is tilled. And what does it take? takes getting behind the plow and putting a little work in. And in doing so, God says, I can use that now. I can go to work now. So let's partner with God and let's see him do the miraculous. Amen? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness and your grace and your strength. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that today, as we reflect on this message and we reflect on your word, more importantly, I pray, Lord, that you would just help us as we ask the question, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to us through this message? In fact, just right there at your seat, just individually, just, you just say it quietly to yourself, but you're just thinking, you say it quietly, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? And as he speaks to you, I pray that you would just listen to his voice, receive his instruction, and put it to work. Faith without works is dead. And so, Holy Spirit, you said in your word that you would give us the strength and the want to and the will to do your work. And so, Lord, we ask you for it. You are our helper, Holy Spirit. We ask you to help us this week as we continue in faith. Help us this week. Not speak death, but speak the life of your word this week. Help us this week to keep walking when our feet hit the ground in the morning and we don't feel like continuing, would you help us continue in faith? And God, as we do, we thank you that we're gonna see your goodness, your will, ah, and your blessing poured out on our life. We're expectant. And if it ain't today, Lord, we thank you that we're one day closer. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.